this week on the Sportsmanlike Conduct, we break down, well, what should have been opening day for the Detroit Tigers. We'll give you some opinions on what we think would be a successful season for them, even with so many people expecting them to lose as much as they should. Then we'll get into the Final Four, Michigan's Magic Run making it that far. We'll see, or we'll talk about what it takes for them to beat America's Darling in Loyola, Chicago. And then we'll talk about Odell Beckham Jr. and the recent trade rumors he's been involved in. Is he worth the money that he wants? All that and more on Sportsmanlike Conduct. Next. And welcome into Unsportsmanlike Conduct, the pro sports show where we talk and you listen. I'm your host, my name is Andrew McDonald, and to my right, Evan Petzold. Evan, how we doing? I see the pineapple shirts on today, so gotta be in a decent mood at least. I mean, yeah, I'm in a great mood. Uh, things are they're going swell, uh, I'm, I'm gonna say that, but I, I, I feel a little bit like Dwayne Wade <laughs> as far as a, a broken record or a soon-to-be broken record. You are my, my back, well, you know, it's, it's the, my lower back has just been absolutely killing me for, for the past week, and... And it's getting to me, you know. It, it takes things that normally would just, you know, frustrate me a little bit, and, and, it, and it really pisses me off. And now, now I'm him here, so I'm in, I'm in my happy, I'm in my happy zone. I'm, I'm where I want to be. Talking sports. So, right? it's a little bit better, but I, I still feel it, man. I still feel it back there. It feels like a, like a, like a broken record, D Wade. You know. That's karma for talking about him like that. That's Elena House, folks. Elena, how are we doing? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, you know, Evan, he's been having some great games, so I would. Keep quiet over there. Oh no, I've had some great games. I mean, not, not, not you. I, I, not I've, you. Had, I've had I've had great days. I mean, I've had great days, but it do, doesn't mean it don't hurt. Same way with D Wade. You know, he'll have a couple games, but anyways, he'll fall off. Uh, I'm doing good though. I'm sad that the Tigers got uh, postponed, but you know, I guess I'll watch them tomorrow. Yeah, for sure. Like I was saying to you guys before it started, you know, I had had it all set today. I was gonna be able to watch them, watch the starting lineups, even though you know half America doesn't even know who they are. Um, but nevertheless, <laughs> was going to be able to watch them today, and I was kind of excited for it. But, of course, got canceled and moved to tomorrow when I'll be working, so won't be able to watch as much as I want. But. Here's my thing. I mean, they didn't lose today. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, had a friend, I had a friend text me earlier, and he said, you know, maybe it should just rain every day because then they won't ever have to play this year. So <laughs> that might be better off for them. They just took the whole year <laughs> off, forfeited it all together. But nevertheless, we'll see what's going on. Um, but we'll start with them, uh, the Detroit Tigers, actually, and – I, I, what kind of spurred this idea to me today is uh, an old friend of mine uh, from Grand Rapids, Max Bowman, he works for The Athletic now, wrote a uh, story today on, like, what expectations should be from Tigers fans. Now, I mean, you kind of understand they're probably going to lose this year. Like, there's not a lot of a chance they're going to win a lot of games. I mean, at almost every single uh, ESPN power ranking or any power ranking out there, they're ranked in the bottom three of the MLB. ESPN actually gave them 29 out of 30. Um, so, Really just don't have a lot. Not a lot of people are expecting anything from me. You know they're going to lose a lot of games. But if you look at it the right way, um, you could probably find some things that can come out of the season and be good and be progress towards the season in the future. Now, whether that's making it fun for the fans, whether that's, you know, finding your younger players and getting some mm-hmm. results out of them in their first year in the MLB or whatever it is, um, I just want to know from what you guys what you think would dictate a successful season for the Tigers, even if they lose as many games as they do. I mean, I, I think you just can't finish last in the in the division. Is what it comes down to. You mean, I, I, from from what I've seen, from what I've heard, from just knowing baseball a little bit. I mean, you, you got to say that that the Indians, the Twins, the White Sox are probably going to be be up there, and then it's pretty much going to be, you know, Tigers and Royals at the bottom. That's kind of that's kind of the thought. And and here here's my thing: is if if you can stay above the Royals, just stay above that that last spot in the in the division. I mean, that gives you an opportunity to. to to keep the fans excited, keep the players excited, because there's something about playing in dead last that just 
that that just kills you. Yeah, it does, and it, and it just it oh, kills yeah. you. And then from from what I've heard, from what I've seen, and I and I've watched it on TV when when they when they're when they're in last place. So I, I saw it last year. Go out there, same thing. Back in the clubhouse, Whoa. repeat. It just it just they just get tired. It's sick and tired of playing all these games, knowing that nothing's gonna happen. So yeah. I think even having a little bit of life, like being being even second to last, mm-hmm. is. Is definitely a step up than being last, and that that's that's what I think for this team. It, it's not going to be a good season, but you got to take some positives away, and and if they can do that, it'll be a positive. Well, yeah, by mid-August last year, I mean there was no one in those stands. It was bad. Like once they kind of realized this team was just completely gone, back when they got rid of Upton in the mm-hmm. season and stuff like that, all kind of right towards the end, it just completely died off. So yeah, you definitely got to do something. But Elena, I mean, listening to everybody say how bad it's going to be, I think it might it might help them out. Like, oh, everybody's doubting us. We have nothing to lose. So. I mean, they could yeah. come out there and do something and surprise everybody, but I think if you have such low expectations for them, I think, I think anything will actually excite people. So maybe if it is just not playing for dead last, then if that's what it is, then mm-hmm. I think it'll help them. Just like watching last year, like you said, it's it was hard to watch, and they were just going through the motions every game and just waiting for it to be over. And, like, the fans were just – they were, like, depressed. <laughs> like, it was just depressing to watch, but – I think I don't think it'll be as bad as people will say, just because I mean these guys are young, they want to win. So mm-hmm. I mean I think they'll come out there with a little bit of heart. I mean yeah, so. you look at you look at it right now. I mean, from the past what like five six years. I mean it's always Justin Verlander, but just the the name of Justin Verlander is your starting opening day pitcher, and then today you were looking at it and you saw Jordan Zimmerman's name. Yeah, that's yeah. immediately just something that kind of puts you down. And it's like man, you know this isn't going to be exciting. You look up and down their lineup, you think, okay, well, we have Miguel Cabrera. Well, what does that even matter anymore? He's coming off a bad season. Mm-hmm. Is he even going to be good? Victor Martinez is washed up. They don't have any names in their lineup right now that really just, wow, yeah. I mean, the one guy that's coming back that everybody expects to be really good in this team is Michael Fulmer. But other than that, there's no all-stars. There's no real team. I mean, okay, Cabrera's obviously been an all-star in his career before and stuff like that, and Martinez. But you don't really expect those kind of campaigns coming off what they came off from last year. It's just got to be a way to keep your fans more excited in different ways. And I think that that's, you know, even when you're losing games, you're not winning games. When younger players make plays in the field or they do things with the bat or stuff like that, it's about getting fired up and showing that they're not just playing for this season. They're not just playing to, you know, win the next day or win more games this week than they lose. It's got to be about having hope for the future and, like, starting to believe mm-hmm. with some of these younger teammates. I mean, you want to see guys like Dixon Machado start to actually do something this year because, you know, it hasn't really happened um, anytime recently. Candelario, you want to see you want to see those guys really start to gel um, well in the infield um, and make some plays because this is kind of their chance to really solidify themselves for the next upcoming years. And, and another thing you want to see is, like, a guy like Nick Castellanos. You want to see him play well in the outfield. Mm-hmm. If he's making big plays out there, you want to see him actually feel encouraged about it and get better about it. These guys can't have down attitudes if they don't have the best season, and I think if they do that, that's going to turn the fans away because odds are the wins aren't going to come with it. They just don't have the talent to probably be able to do that this year. If it does, I mean, forget it. If they if the Tigers finish above 500, you have to look at the season as success, exactly. like, oh, yeah. without a question. If they surprise everybody, and it's not like that is out of the question completely. I can remember going in 2006, and it was the same exact thing. They were supposed to win the worst teams in the MLB, and they ended up being way better. So And, I mean, they have a new manager, so who knows what will happen. Yes, Garden Hire Hire was great. I mean that I, I, it's kind of hard to say it, but it really was like a great move. I think that that getting a older coach in there um, with these younger guys is big, and to see how they gel together this year and how they listen to him and kind of work around him, and if he can show some managerial moves to get some wins, because I can tell you last year, you know, I always listened to uh, Jim and Drew. Jim's a graduate from here, 
um, in my hometown, and they'd always call it losses whenever Brad Osmus would make a move <laughs> in the bullpen or something that would make him lose. You want to see Rob Gardner make some moves that you know get him wins with some mm-hmm. of the talent that he has this year, and I think that's definitely also something that could be encouraging. That's a great point. I think a lot of it for me is is guys like Matt Boyd, Michael Fulmer, Joe Jimenez, Daniel Norris. How do how do they how do they progress? Yeah. Now now Michael Fulmer, don't get me wrong, excellent pitcher. I I think he'll be fine. But as far as the other ones in, in that list, how do those guys progress? Because there, there's been all this talk about about Boyd and and Norris and and even even guys like like a Buck Farmer or or Shane Green. You know they're supposed to be something special. They're supposed to be good. Buck Farmer's got to get rid of that beard before he does anything else. I know. <laughs> I don't, I'm not liking that. But but it's all about it's all about progression though, isn't it? I mean, isn't that isn't that the whole point? Yeah. And, and they haven't progressed at all. No, it's, been, it's been the same thing. You get a couple good starts out of them, and then the rest are just crummy starts, and that's what it is. And that's, what, it, that's, names, what, that's, always, that's what it's always been. The two names for me that you included to me that are the most important are Matt Boyd and uh, Daniel Lewis. Daniel Norris, Without yeah. question. They're the two guys the Tigers got a couple years ago that were supposed to be a lot better. They're supposed to be really good. I mean, tell they me. They were supposed they to be real good. Yet. I mean, Matt Boyd, if, out of the two, has probably been more consistent at times. Which isn't what I, which isn't what I expected. I, I yeah, would have thought Norris would have been. thought Daniel Norris was the guy. Oh yeah, the build, the way that he pitches, everything, just the way that he is, you would have thought he would have been better, and he just hasn't done mm-hmm. it yet. And it's been in injuries, and then it's just been pure inconsistency. And every single time he come back, half the blame was I just don't feel right yet because of you know this is wrong with mm-hmm. my arm or whatever it is. At some point, it's got to stop, or it's just not you're not going to stop getting hurt. It's just going to be a reoccurring injury that you're eventually just going to get let go. So mm-hmm. I think this is a huge year for them, and then, I, and then without question, and then Jimenez. Mm-hmm. I mean. You want to it, see something it, on him too. With, yeah, you have you have to. You he, have a, to see something he's on him. He's a little bit younger, um, and he and I think he's got more time still. But it's just like more for guys like Daniel Norris and Matt Boyd for me is if they don't work out in the starting rotation this year, you know sometimes those kind of guys can make great relievers at the end of the day. So it might be kind of a move that they start to get pushed to if they don't show that they can be a starting pitcher mm-hmm. this year. Um, but yeah, looking up and down in, I mean, it's just it's it's a different rotation, and then they add guys like you know Francisco Liriano. Uh, it's their 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 lineup and roster. I mean, that's probably just to try to get some kind of a veteran. I, I like it, there. though. Yeah, I do, too. I do. I think you have to have someone that can teach and learn, and, and that's that's what I want to see out of a guy like Victor Martinez this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Miguel Cabrera, two guys that are playing on a team, they have to understand they're probably not making the playoffs, right? And they're getting towards the end of their careers, so it's kind of like, man, you know, are we really, are we really like, here for, I mean, not to say that, you know, Miguel hasn't won a um, World Series in his life because he did when he was with the Marlins, but probably realizing you're not going to get here with the Tigers, you know, anytime soon. You just got to look at it as like an opportunity to teach other players and kind of make them better and um, enjoy and, yourself. Yeah, exactly. Just enjoy the game, have fun <laughs> for you guys once. Think this but is Victor's last year. It should be with I the Tigers. Have, I think yeah. without question. Yeah, he is so I, I old. Love him. He is I so old. I mean, yeah, he's in general he's a good guy, but it's just like it's like but last yeah. year. I, a lot of what I heard was he wasn't the same in the clubhouse as he's been in the past years, mm-hmm. um, with like helping people out and you know kind of being a positive influence. It was more negativity, and I don't know if that's just because of his play. But you got to see that change this year. You have yeah. to have a different like mindset just coming into this year. Cabrera needs to forget last year and just try to have a good year himself this mm-hmm. year to show that he could still be something in the future. Because Miguel Cabrera is just such a good hitter that you know you still think he could be around for five, six more years and still be a hitter. Maybe not playing in the field at first base, but be a DH somewhere. So you want to see him start and continue to be good. And you know what? If he can get some of these young guys to be good. Maybe their rebuild goes a little bit faster than what people think, and he still has a shot at something. So, in my opinion, that's how you have to go into it thinking about if you're a veteran on this team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then looking at, I mean, I, I guess I, I got a question for 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 both you guys. I mean, when when you look at the season, 
and and you see where they're at. I mean, it, do you think that if, if they hang around for long enough, if let's just say that they do, they mm-hmm. hang around for long enough, you know, trade deadline comes comes around, they still have a chance. You think it's smart to give up give up your give up your guys that you've you know you've traded for in the past, the the young prospects that have come up to try to get pieces to to win? No, you not, think, even not if, if you even, have a yeah, chance, you got to be in first yeah. place. Yeah. I mean, what are you telling me right now? Like, they're second or third place in the division. Yeah. Like, they're fighting. Yeah, second you, or third you just, fighting. You stick with what you got. Yeah. You might not get rid of anything, and you might not pick anything else up, because at that point, you're keeping the fans in the seats because you want to, mm-hmm. I mean, you might win a division title, right? Yeah. But, yeah, in my opinion, you can't trade anybody else. It's not going to happen, but I was just wondering. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I was just curious. Either. Not happening. But. Hey. I mean, you don't never know out. what might happen, but the way, that, the, the way that the way Alavila has been, he's just been clearing house and mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be a night out. I don't necessarily agree with everything he's gotten back for it, especially with the fact that two of their best prospects right now are injured. So that it's just kind of like it's it's hard to look at his moves right now as mm-hmm. good yet. And I understand they have to give him more time than just the season and everything. And that, that that's the pain of baseball, man. You really got to wait um, for people to turn out and give him a chance. But um, then you look at their outfield. And it's like, okay, Nick Castellanos is going to be out there, and that's going to just be an experiment. That might not work past the first <laughs> month of the year. We don't know yet. But you look at the rest of those names, Jacoby Jones, Mikey Matuk, um, Lenois Martin, and Victor Reyes. I mean, Ooh. come on, man. It's just it's so it's so bad, and you, just, and you really don't know what you're going to get out of any of those guys. But I think that the two you really are going to keep an eye on more than anybody else is going to be Mikey Matuk and Jacoby Jones. Jacoby Jones is going to be a dog. That everybody wants you. him to be. He has that mentality. And he came in for a few games last year, and I think it was early April or May, um, and he was almost like a spark plug with he some of the good. hits he had. He had that walk-off yeah. hit, everything. He made a big play in the field to end the game. It was like, okay, this guy might actually be something for us. This might be one, like a – you know how the Tigers have just gotten lucky over the years of some of the people they've pulled out yeah. of their, their minor leagues that have been good for them for a little bit. Looked like that was going to be that guy, and then he just fell off. Could not hit the ball. I forgot how mm-hmm. many hits in, or how many bats in a row he went without a hit. Dropped off, never figured it out back in the minors. Now, apparently, he's been playing a lot better this spring. Um, it looks a lot better, but you got to prove it on the big stage. And then Mikey Ma took for a period of time last summer. I mean, he was raking. Yeah, mm-hmm. held that lineup together. I mean, hitting around, hitting over 300. Uh, for the longest time, he played a pretty good outfield, made some good plays. It's like sometimes he overran some stuff. They look kind of silly, but he made he made a lot of good plays out there. That's a guy that in the future, even if he's not a starter in this team, you could definitely see him being a utility player or someone that you know really helps that mm-hmm. outfield for some depth. So you definitely want to see a lot out of him, if not a starter. I mean, I think he has the potential to be that possibly. Yeah, I, and I don't I don't like Leonis Martin either. I mean, look look, look at him look at him look at him last year. I mean, yeah, he, he was no, with, he was with Seattle and Chicago and. The dude hit. He hit 172. Yeah, that's. I mean, <laughs> come on now. It's just some of, some of the veterans they're adding to this team. It's like, man, these names have been around for a while, and you're just like, oh god, why, why, are, <laughs> why are they getting picked up by the Tigers? But when you don't have anybody else to put in, on there, and you just you need something to kind of get yourself through, it's just it's where you're at. But if you had to just give one definition for what you think would make a successful season, what what would it be? I think I already kind of gave mine as far as you know not finishing last in the division. I'm I'm gonna stick by that. That's, I think that's yeah. just it. Don't, don't finish. Don't last. finish last in the fail. division. Don't finish last because everyone thinks you're going to. For sure, it's possible. Um, I, if one uh, one word, I don't I don't know. I guess or a, or a line. I mean or... I mean I guess you could be hopeful because you're you got low expectations. So just run with it. <laughs> For sure. Perfect game from from Daniel Norris. Quick quick update. I just got my phone for uh, Detroit fans out there. Pistons, Blake Griffin, ankle, out Thursday versus Wizards. <laughs> huh. already, right. some, already some injuries there. Oh, man. So that, that's a lot of fun, but not that we're going to get into that. But anyways, um, for me, it's just 
keep <clears throat> keep fans in the seats all the way through the season. Not necessarily to where it's like full in September because when people start going back to school and everything, it, it kind of gets hard in the first place. Don't expect it to be there, but through August, you want to have that stadium at least decently full. Um, maybe not maybe not sell. So maybe that's a lot to expect, but definitely midway through the season, you still want to see some of those numbers. You want to see fans still support this team and try to you know understand where they're at right now um, and look at some of the other things. And I think if these players can get the right attitude um, and play in the right way, they can still keep some fans in the seat. So I think it's I think it's about doing something like that. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, one team that is definitely a uh, kept fans in the seats no matter what state they're playing in is the is the Michigan Wolverines because uh wow I mean we keep we have to keep bringing them up on the podcast because you know they just keep going um the final four now and uh they they ran through the sweet 16 um I don't think Texas A&M knew what hit them uh when all all those three started falling I, I simply don't think they had a response to that and they play against Florida State when they can't you know Michigan can't make a shot to save their lives they just crush them with defense all game mm-hmm. and they, they kind of do it that way and it's just this team has found a way to win in different ways. Um, and no matter what is thrown at them this year, they, they, they will just adjust and they'll do it. And that's what's so much different about this team than any other beeline team is they can just adjust and they can win games with whatever they have to do to get the job done. I think that's what makes them so good and what makes them such a, a favorite by a lot of people to win the national title right now. Um, I guess what can you guys say just recapping the whole weekend? Like you just said, if, if offense isn't going to beat you, defense is. And if defense isn't going to beat you, then offense is. There's not a way around this team. There's not. That they're playing at a new level. I, I, I don't think they're going to lose. They're not going to lose. Kansas or Villanova? They're not going to. They're not going to beat them. Going all the way. <laughs> it's, it's and, that, and that's no. That's not me speaking out of being a homer because I'm from the state of Michigan and maybe I mean maybe I liked Michigan. But no, really though, <laughs> what has this team done? To, to make you think that they're going to lose. I know. I, I, I wrote about it the other day. It was, I, I wrote about what, what what do people have to bet against them at this point. They've shown you, you everything. I know. I mean, since February, I think it was I think it was February 6th, but I could be wrong when they lost to Northwestern. Yeah, yeah February ha- 6th. Haven't lost a game since then. And 11 of them have been away from Chrysler Arena. Yeah. And in, 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 that, I mean, in that stretch, you have to remember, in that stretch, it was, you know, beating Ohio State, State Michigan State, Purdue, Purdue. And then you go into the NCAA tournament. tournament teams. During the NCAA tournament, they're good basketball teams. Like even when they play their worst against Houston, yeah, they still win. Now, now, yeah, I mean Jordan Poole. I mean, but yes, those things but happen. Those things, those things yes. happen to championship teams that go and win. I they know. make exactly. a shot that, like that. Loyola Chicago I, I, team is playing against Michigan right now. Buzzer beaters. <laughs> I, I think. I think I said, um, you know, right when we found out, you know, who was playing who to start and all that kind of stuff. I think I said in the podcast that that every team that ever wins a title has that big shot, oh, yeah. that big game. It just happens. I mean, look, look back to when Michigan was, went, went to the championship game against Louisville. It was Trey Burke, Trey Burke. with the big yeah. shot. Yep. Nick Stauskas with all those threes and that big win against Florida. Kind of the same thing, right? I mean, when you Spike look at Albrecht it. almost had him there all the way in the in the championship game. A, a nobody off the bench mm-hmm. hitting all those threes. But, but I mean, that's that's back-to-back games where you have a, you have a clutch three. Mm-hmm. Jordan Poole had the clutch three. And then in the following game, just smoking your opponent. Yeah, it's, it's same thing happened. And I, I think every team that that makes it to the title game, that wins the title, has has those two scenarios. And, and Michigan's got it down. That's that that's all they need. I think they got the energy. They got the firepower. They they've got the coaching. They they've got all the tools in their toolbox to to win the national championship. And, and I don't see why they won't. And no, I think you're 100% right saying that. I think tools is a really good word to use in general because that's just what they kind of have. It's a bunch of misfit toys 
on that team that have just kind of fit together mm-hmm. and found a way to be able to win some games. It's just it's insane. I mean, and when you're talking about going from one of your best shooting uh, percentages of the season, over 60%, against Texas A&M, next game they only shoot 38, but they hold Florida State to a season-low 31. It's just like the numbers are there to back it up. Their wins are there to back it up. I mean, tell me what this team can it's, it's, do to show you any more. Well, it's not like, okay, so it's it's not like, I like you said about tools, you know, it, it, a bunch of misfit toys and all that kind of stuff. It's not like they have a, a golden wrench or, or mm-hmm. a golden screwdriver or a bunch of golden nails. Like, One no. thing you keep going back to, don't have that. They don't have that, but they don't need that. No. Because guess what? Their toolbox is gold. John is Beeline's gold. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, the guy, the guy who's operating the tools knows what he's doing with them and makes the them The guy who's a taking team. care of them all, gold. I mean, they said it all season. They said that we, if we play within ourselves, we know what we can do. That's the line I keep hearing come out of their mouths. If we play within ourselves, we can beat anybody. And, yeah, they believe in themselves. They're confident. And Beeline's right behind them. He's he's a great coach. He he is their man. And they all, they all trust in him, so... I mean, they've showed us they could do everything, so I agree with you guys. Why doubt them? Why doubt them now? I, I think it's pretty hard, too, at this point. I mean, it's still it's like it's in, in the back of your head that they weren't supposed to be this team. You know, come the year, they have, they have a program record, 32 wins. I mean, you can go back and look at any other team that John Beeline's had. I mean, or not any other, but a lot of the ones that have been good and made runs through the tournament, you would have picked them to be better than this team coming in the season without mm-hmm. question, especially with a guy like Xavier Simpson leading at point guard, a guy that was a nobody, a guy that lost his job to a freshman early in the season. Now he made two of the biggest plays of the season mm-hmm. towards the end of that Florida State game when he drove down the lane and made an acrobatic way. I mean, these dudes were huge in the paint, and he still found a way to have a good game um, against them. And then he ended up getting that kick out to Duncan Robinson. A Division three transfer hits the, the three that pretty much eventually iced it. Um, they obviously had to make some free throws, and he did that as well. He was the one that got the two free throws that separated it. Um, and quick question, I mean... I want to say, you know, I I can't remember the reporter's name um, that interviewed Florida State's coach, but she did a great job of uh, staying on her stuff. But you got a foul there, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not crazy for thinking that, and I don't think anybody else in the country is crazy for thinking that. I don't think anybody else is crazy for asking it. No doubt, eleven seconds left in the clock. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree. Michigan sucks at shooting free throws. I don't. Come on, Leonard Hamilton, do your homework. That's what I said. I was like, I was like, foul, foul. I was sitting there talking on TV. But like I've, I was shocked. I, I think I think that Kevin Harlan, who was announcing the game, was shocked too because he was just like, "They're just gonna dribble <laughs> it out." It was like, "You're just gonna let them like walk away with this, yeah. and your season's about to end." Like I, I was thinking the same thing. I know teams that foul with point six seconds exactly. left if they miss a shot and let the team go on the other lane. Like, what were they thinking? You never know. I mean, and and she didn't even ask the question as like, you know, because his first response was like he didn't like say anything. And then he was like, "You think that's really what you know caused us to lose the game?" She wasn't. That's not she what she was she, asking. Yeah, she wasn't trying to call him dumb or be. She was actually yeah. just, just wondering because the whole world was wondering. Everybody Our, watching was wondering. He said, "You should just give credit to their defense, and you know they they suffocated us all game, and our kids did a good job just to battle back to be in it." That's still not the point of the question. I mean, he obviously just knew that he didn't. He yeah, knew, he, he messed he was, up. He and I mean, messed up. He, he should have just admitted it. Honestly. He did like apologize, have that statement of apology to the announcer and stuff. The other but day. they made him do that. Yeah, exactly. It was, it the, was the universities him make him do that. He, I mean, like, yeah, he probably didn't even write it to be completely honest. I know. But yeah, um, I mean, you're literally talking about if they miss a free throw, even a double bonus. If they miss, even say, say Michigan goes one for two, because that's most likely what they're going to do when they go to the free throw line. They're at 59-54. All it takes is for you to drive down the court, shoot a, a, even an insane three, and it goes in. You're down by two points, and all you got to do is follow Michigan again. 
They could go one for two again, and then one shot ties the game. Mm-hmm. Seen I mean, it happen several times before. I mean, it, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not crazy. It's not crazy at all. I mean, it, how did Michigan get to where they are right now? Houston missed two free throws that set them up for a three pointer to win mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just saying, like, four point game. That's ridiculous to even try to act happen. like you shouldn't have done that or like have it happen. That that's just yeah. He was I don't just know, kicking man. himself in the like in the back of his mind. So anyway, he should, he should have just yeah. done it out loud because yeah, that would have exactly. looked a lot better. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we got we got Michigan against Loyola Chicago. I mean, what are, what are your guys's you guys thoughts on that one? I mean, I know that Sister Jean, uh, <laughs> Sister Jean. I know, I know. Um, you Welcome know, to hell. I know. I know, <laughs> I know Loyola is a team that that they they don't really like to get as physical. So I think if if they can feed the ball to if Michigan can feed the ball to to Wagner inside. I think that could that could cause a lot of problems. Also, Wagner on the on those pick and rolls, pick and pops. That I think a lot of the, the game is going to come down to, to Mo Wagner, though. I, I think he's yeah. he's going to be the one in this one. I, you can look at games before and say, yeah, you know, Mahalia Rockman is kind of going to be the guy in this one. I think he'll he'll stand out. You know, maybe Charles Matthews. Charles Matthews has been outstanding. But but I think for this game specifically, it, it's it's, it's got to be Wagner. He's got to be able to deliver the the physicality. The, the ability to stretch the floor that Michigan needs because, Don't because settle for threes. Loyola Chicago is not going to be able to handle that type of physical basketball that, that Wagner is going to bring to the table, and I think that, that'll win him the game. I think that's definitely what a lot of people think right now is you simply just have to out-physical him, and I don't even think that necessarily starts in the offensive end. I think it starts on defense. I think that Michigan's going to be too much on that side of the basketball for Loyola Chicago to handle. I think they're going to be all over him and mm-hmm. guard him as tight as they possibly can. They've done it to teams and suffocated them this year. I think that they do it to them as well, and they're not going to really know what hit them. Um, I, I, I mean, I've really been sketchy on a lot of these games, uh, picking Michigan. I, I definitely thought Texas A&M would be more difficult than it was. wasn't at all. Michigan just shot mm-hmm. the lights out. I mean, Florida State was a difficult game, but you thought the length there would be difficult. This is a game where, I mean, okay, you'd think any team in the country matches up good against Little Chicago because they're not supposed to be a big name. But, I but mean, you just look are. at it on paper, and Michigan should match up good against them. But, you know, at some point, seeding just needs to get thrown out the window. This is a good team. I mean, this is a team that's in the Final Four. I don't care how they got there or who they beat to get there. They're in the Final Four, and they're an 11 seed. So they're yeah. a good team. I, I think that they play a lot of, like, they play similar to each other. I just think that, like, maybe maybe Loyola is just, like, a lesser version of Michigan, maybe. I mean, I guess we'll see, but I, I think that Michigan's going to be too much on both ends of the floor for them. For sure. And Ultimately. I, I think it's definitely going to be tough, too, when you know everybody in the country is against you. I mean, no, no mm-hmm. one in the country wants Michigan to win this game besides mm-hmm. the people that are there. Exactly. Fans. I mean, that is, it's America's darling you're talking about. That's that's mm-hmm. the Cinderella story. That's who everybody wants to see make it to the national championship and play in that game. And, I mean, okay, granted, it's just like if they were to get there, too, it's like you wouldn't believe they'd win. But if they got by a team by Michigan – who everybody you know thinks could win the national championship? You have to think that Loyola Chicago actually a legitimate shot at it, right? They could be they could beat one of those teams. They're there, aren't they? Anybody yeah. can eat anybody. That's, there, a, that's what I'm anybody. saying. In basketball, all it takes is a shot, and I I don't know, but yeah, I think that I think Michigan will win this game. Um, I think that it's going to be one of those ones where it's pretty close all the way through, but Michigan will probably kind of pull away in the last like six five six minutes of it. I don't think that Loyola Chicago will go down without a fight, though. I can't see that mm-hmm. team. Losing by a lot of points, and it's it's gonna it's gonna be one of those games where you're gonna be on the edge of your seat, and you're gonna wonder what's gonna happen at the end, and probably anything could happen. But I think that Michigan will pull away eventually uh, to kind of get out of it. And it won't be with their free throw shooting; it'll probably just be with their their normal shooting because we've learned that they can't do that. <laughs> so yeah, it'll be it'll be a good one. Um, you know, just throwing it out there, I'm, I'm gonna take Michigan in this one, and then uh, you know the other the other Final Four game. 
I'm gonna go with Kansas, and you've been you've been riding Kansas all uh, all year. Yeah, a little bit, and then uh, you know, taking the Wolverines to. You were right. They beat, they beat Duke. Grayson Allen messed up for me a couple times there yeah. with my bracket, man. He had to hit those threes in overtime. And Grayson Allen. I yeah. don't like him. Yeah, what? What? Ha- I mean, I no one really does. <laughs> yeah, I just know that he's a, a pretty yeah. good talent, you know, for college basketball. And I really thought that Maybe with opportunities, he's come through time and time again for that team in the big stage, mm-hmm. and he just he did not have it. Yeah. Maybe he got a little bit of karma, too, just like Evan. Anyway, on the next topic. Evan's <laughs> not going to make a comment. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, I think I think it's gonna be Michigan. Uh, for me, for my other pick, the Final Four, I I think I'm gonna go with Villanova. So we'll see. I, I think that they're just they're they're too much, and I think they're really a good team, and they've been there before. So we'll see what they're able to do. I mean, both teams have is Kansas and Villanova. That's two basketball names right there. So yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, Michigan and Villanova as well. Yep. So we'll we'll see, that, and that'll be a good matchup, and I'm sure we'll get into that. Either way, we'll be talking about this one next <laughs> week and what happens. But right now, kind of a different topic is uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and it's just something that recently has been coming through the news. Um, he, he he's still in that rookie contract of the Giants, and as any of you that watch football last year know and play fantasy football, um, OBJ was out for the season, so wasn't wasn't helping anybody, wasn't doing anything, and the Giants season just went absolutely downhill. I mean, I think it was the worst hit season in history for Eli Manning. Um, it was the first time in, gosh, how many years was it that neither one of the Manning brothers has been in the playoffs? I mean, it was like it was some insane mm-hmm. statistic, just how bad they were without him and stuff, and. He's still in that rookie contract, but he's looking for that. You know, after the fourth year, you start looking for that contract extension, and it would be an $8.5 million deal um, that he would have, but that's not enough for OBJ. He wants more money. Um, he wants up to $20 million um, from the Giants, and I, the Giants don't seem like they're very willing to give it to him because they're obviously open to trade talks, um, and there's multiple teams that apparently have been interested um, in getting him, and one of them is the Cleveland Browns. I'm seeing the Indianapolis Colts, San Francisco 49ers. Green Bay Packers and Los Angeles Rams, so those are the those are the five teams that are interested in him. If you're one of those five teams, is he worth that much money? Is he gonna bring your team a Super Bowl? I mean, it's you have to think about when you're spending that much money on a wide receiver, and he would be the highest paid wide receiver of the game if he makes that much money. Is he is he Antonio Brown? I don't think so. <clears throat> Just because he can make a one handed catch doesn't make him Antonio Brown to me. How about oh, like a, how about like a Julio Jones? Nah, not really. No. I don't think so either. Maybe Julio Jones is more of a system-wide receiver, but he's still pretty good. DeAndre Hopkins? I take OBJ. Okay. I take OBJ. I think OBJ is that good. I, I think he's better than him. AJ Green? If he gets traded from the Bengals, then maybe. Maybe. No, just straight up. Uh, Comparison right now, I'd probably still take OBJ. Okay. I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the, the list of wide receiver contracts and all that kind of stuff. It's and- not insane. OBJ is a good wide receiver. He's good. He's good. But the head but the he ha- carries on his shoulders. Mm, yeah. Well, yes, 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 that. And the hesitation. And shoulders, like the commercials. No, I know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that shampoo brand is you know causing him to you know, have what he has going on oh, out there. But I don't know. I know. I'm fucking. But no. But that- no. I. I. Hang, hang on. Hang on. Real quick. I. I <laughs> hang on. Just give me a sec. So. So like I was saying, you know, the hesitation in your voice. I was asking you for those names, and you hesitated a couple times. You had yeah, to think, you about, think it. about it. And Antonio Brown's, you know, the, the highest paid receiver, uh, and he's making 17. And then you look down the list, and and guys like A.J. Green is a 15, Julio Jones just over 14. I mean, I, I listed some names, and you, you hesitated, and they're making less than, than what OBJ wants. I, I'm all, I am all for you saying that you want 15, 16. That, that's fine, but 20? 
Come That's on, a big man. Big jump on money. Twenty? I mean, it's like it's like what's going on in the NFL right now with the quarterbacks and stuff. Like the ridiculous amount of money that every year a different quarterback is going to be the most highest paid quarterback in the league. Like now. you think you should be paid more than Antonio Brown? <laughs> Come on, man. I especially coming off an injury. I mean, you're you're just saying. Yeah, that, I know. You're saying that my past stats are good enough that they back me up that. I'm going to be that good and worth that much money, and I have no chance to get hurt He again. caught three touchdowns in 2017. <laughs> I don't care if you were injured, sleeping, on the bench. You caught three touchdowns. Elena, you said you had a problem I, with this. this see, this I have hat. a problem with this just because he comes with a lot of baggage. He is really good. He comes with a lot of baggage, though. And like you said, he he's coming off an injury, so who knows? Like Nobody knows what you're going to be like when you come back from an injury. Some people are stronger. Some people just never are the same again. Mm-hmm. And... So, I mean, he comes with a lot of buzz, so maybe the Browns need him. <laughs> maybe pump that city up a little bit uh, in the football side of things. You better get a quarterback figured out in Cleveland, <laughs> in my opinion, before you do anything like that. You better get figure out someone that can That's throw true. to him consistently That's and make you better. True. So what's so wait, 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 wait. So what's what's the situation with with OBJ exactly? Is it that he wants to be? Is it it would it, it would be a it'd be a trade and then sign right? Yeah, yep. essentially. Yep. Like sign him to a deal. He would get a so he'd get traded any, for any picks of these and then teams, get signed. Especially with what I'm seeing on this list of the majority of them that you're looking at. I mean, you're Can they even at, afford him? You're looking at yeah. I mean that's why because the Browns and Colts are your mm-hmm. top two. They probably got a lot of money to spend based off what they've traded and mm-hmm. given up. I mean they're 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 just off draft picks at this point essentially. You're looking at those two teams, the 49ers. That's another team that probably has a little bit of money now. Um, Green Bay is the one that kind of like surprised me. To mm-hmm. even see show up on the list, I don't think they're going to go for that. How do you? Um, sorry, how do you think you would be with Andrew Luck though? I heard you say that so. Or I heard you say about the Colts. So. It, yeah, I just on there. I'm just so. I'm talking about money, but um, I I mean I don't and uh, you know Eric Ebron's there now, so he might yeah. compete if OBJ went there. I don't know. It might be uh might be a fight for the best uh, best hands in the team right there. <laughs> but um, no, I just looking at those two teams. I mean, they can maybe both use them, but I mean, is he really gonna bring either one of those teams? I mean, maybe maybe if you think that like playoffs or something like that is good enough to satisfy your fan base because they just haven't seen it in so long, especially in Cleveland. I mean, I think OBJ could get you the playoffs maybe if he stays healthy all year and he and he keeps his head on straight. I mean, there's two ifs right there that are easier said than done. He needs to keep his emotions in check. He's had a problem with that his whole career. He's 25. He It's one thing to be emotional. It's one thing to be young. emotional, but you got to like not have the bad attitude that yeah, he has he needs to keep half the check. time and I just don't know if anybody's worth that much money that has that going on with him. Yeah. To be able to pick him up. And, and if you if you think that you if you think you're worth twenty million, like, what? prove it. Like, yeah, I mean, you gotta prove it first. Yeah, you can't just come off an injury and be like, demand, Andy, demand that. Andy, I, I think I'm worth twenty million. I think I am the best wide receiver in the NFL. <clears throat> and Andy, can you please pay me twenty million? Well, I can't do that. First, you gotta get better at this. I mean, but after you do that, then maybe I'll start offering you money for football. That that was rude. I wasn't even <laughs> trying. I was just trying. Never mind. You can go. You can leave if you want. It's all right. We'll finish. All right. I. <laughs> <laughs> I salute the guy for, like, having confidence in himself, though, I suppose. No, I, I mean, yeah, it's, there's nothing wrong with believing in yourself and stuff like that, but look at... <laughs> right, don't I, go too I, far. <laughs> maybe, I mean, I'm not OBJ. I, clearly, I don't think like that. But if, if I was in his situation and I'm coming off an injury, you know what? Maybe I'd ask for 12 or 13. Maybe I'd ask for a little bit more because I, I know that I'm worth more money than that. I I would never say that he was not worth 12 or $13 million based yeah. off of other, those other names that you brought mm-hmm. up or getting paid. Because he has done stuff in the NFL, and he is one of the best receivers in the NFL. There's no question about that, and he should be able to get paid that much money. But just coming off an injury and stuff like that, trying to be, you know, five million dollars more than what half these other receivers are. I mean, that's 
five five to eight million dollars more. That's mm-hmm. just that's insane. Not to me. worth it. I, I don't I don't think it's worth it at all. End of story. Not worth it. Yeah, it's, and all these teams looking at it, you know, if you for some somehow listen to this podcast, you should probably rethink it. If you ask for that much money, don't give it to them. I mean, maybe try to you know offer them down a little bit, but at the end of the day, I think the best spot for him to stay with the wide receiving core that they still have there is probably in New York, and I think he can make a, a good good receiver himself. But that just depends how much he cares about the team and wants to see where they go. Mm-hmm. So. We'll see what happens with him, but you never know with what what goes on. But let's just you move on to know. our yeah, exactly. Let's move on with our stud and duds here to finish up the podcast. And Evan, I'll start with you. Yeah. So for my stud, um, yeah, it's actually going to be uh, Shohei Otani, and he's a guy who got picked up by the the Angels. He was he was picked up out of Japan. He played there for for a long time, and in the way that that he kind of worked. I mean, he was he was there from 2013 to 2017, and his stats. You know, with with the the Nippon Professional Baseball League, that's, that's what it's called over there in, in Japan. He had a win loss record. He he was forty two and fifteen with a two point five two ERA. So that, that's pretty impressive already mm-hmm. um, through through those years. And then and then you look at his batting average. He he batted two eighty six, forty eight home runs. Um, he had two hundred and ninety six hits, one hundred and sixty six RBIs. So he can do it both. He he pitches and he hits and yeah. Came over with the with the Angels, kind of. It was, he was kind of a guy that, that you knew, um, really from the from the start, from the time that he was really um, getting ready to, to leave Japan. You knew he was gonna he was gonna start on, on a major league team. There was no doubt. And today, first at bat, got a, got a hit. So mm-hmm. pretty cool to, to see him come over to the United States cool. and, and and get a hit. That was pretty nice. Elena, all right. Uh, my stud is Giancarlo Stanton for uh, uh, hitting his. For the first at bat with the Yankees, he hit a home run, so I thought that was pretty cool. They're out, they're winning six to one in the middle of the ninth right now against the Blue Jays. So looks like they're gonna come out with a win today. Yankees will Yankees will be a good team. Oh yeah, They'll be a team to beat in that division this year, sure. I think, without question. So that yeah, they they definitely have loaded up, and they are the Bronx Bombers officially over there. So we'll see how that goes for them. But uh, mine is Ian Happ. Uh, if you've watched baseball today, you've definitely heard his name by now. Uh, plays for the Chicago Cubs, rookie. First pitch that he gets and sees. Hits a home run. I mean, that's how you start the 2018 baseball season. I think he no doubt deserve a stud, uh, a stud performance right there, and that that just kind of says it all. Um, especially when you have the confidence to be able to go up against a, a pitcher. Um, Jose Arena was the guy that threw threw against them for the Marlins. Now, I mean, Marlins Park was like half empty like it is every year. <laughs> they got to do something to figure out to get the fans there. Mm-hmm. And uh, getting rid of John Carlos Stanton definitely has a help in that. But um, I mean, let, let's be honest. First pitch of the entire MLB season. Yeah, it doesn't season. matter. And you're, and you're, that is so cool. Yeah, it's just it's it's the first pitch, and you're a first year player. I mean, just uh, you you punch your ticket to say you can be a leadoff hitter in the MLB with that. You're saying anybody that doubted me, I, I know I can do it. So that's that, that's a pretty cool story. Evan, you're done. Yeah. So Eduardo Nunez today for the Red Sox. I became the first player um, since Carly Stremski to hit an inside the park home run on opening day. Stremski did it on April 10th. 1968, and it was actually against Detroit, in Detroit, and and yeah, that was a long time ago, and yeah, it seems like a really cool cool thing for Nunez to, to be able to pick up, um, that, that's pretty cool, but the, the dud part of it is, is just the fact that it came off, uh, it came off Chris Archer of, of the Rays, he's a guy that, that really a lot of people thought was, was gonna be, was gonna be really, really good, um, and he, and he, he was pretty good, in the 2013, 2014, 2015 season, but I mean, you look back to 2016. He had a he had an ERA over four. 
2017, ERA over four again. So just really, it's all about Chris Archer on this one. Yeah, the play play was sweet by by Nunez. Inside the park home runs are always fun, but just the fact that that Chris Archer still seems to be on the on the downfall when he was projected to be, you know, su- such a good guy and such a good prospect and such a good player in the MLB. All right, um, that's not very good today, but I'm just going to go with o- Odell Beckham. I just don't think you should say that you deserve that much money coming off an injury like that. Never should, as we discussed. <laughs> I don't think it is either. Uh, mine is the uh, whoever does the AP voting um, for uh, college basketball or whatever, you guys are a bunch of duds today because <laughs> they picked Virginia's Tony Bennett for the AP Coach of the Year. He lost in the first round to a number 16 seed. I don't care what he accomplished all season. doesn't matter to me. You lose the first round of the number 16 seed, you don't deserve it. You want to know who did deserve it? John Beeline. Don't call me a homer. That's the truth. <laughs> that team was not ranked to start the year. He's got them as far as they are now to clearly whether one of the best teams in the country. And if they end up going to win a national championship, what really makes me upset about <clears> it is, what's the point of doing it this late or announcing that this late into the NCAA tournament and you're not even going to wait to see who the national champion is? Exactly. Dumb. Yeah, Dumb. Wh- why... I don't get, yeah, why do they do that? Exactly. Why I mean, Why are you announcing in the Final Four hasn't even played yet? And clearly John Beeline had to be a candidate. I mean, he had to be in there as one of the people that was, you know, had a chance to win this. Yeah. Typical. I, I just don't get it. That AP polls, you know, trash halftime anyways. So that, that that's where that's at with me, but that's the definite dud. Um, that'll wrap it up for us this week, guys. Thank you for listening. Uh, download SoundCloud, iTunes, all that fun stuff. Make sure you find us. You can find it on the CM Life uh, Sports tw- or CM Life Twitter as well, and we'll share it out off ours. So give us a follow as well. And thanks for listening.